If you're looking for success in the vacation rental industry, Heather Bayer and the team at CottageBlogger.com are here to show you that it's entirely within reach. Welcome to Vacation Rental Success, the show that features interviews with industry experts, successful vacation rental owners, and more, all geared toward helping you make it happen. Here's your host, Heather Bayer. Hello again. Welcome to another edition of Vacation Rental Success Podcast. And I think we're up to episode 126. Crazy, isn't it? I look back to 2013 and I was struggling to get uh, one podcast out every couple of months. And uh, we seem to have moved on since then. I'm sitting here at the moment um, with, with my new book, in front of me and I mentioned it in a podcast a couple of weeks ago or maybe I've been mentioning it a couple of times it's called The Art of SEO and I had the original version 2010 version I've had that for a, a, a few years probably since around about 2011 so I was expecting the new updated version to be very similar so looking back on the previous version there were five hundred and oh my eyesight's failing me 556 pages so when amazon arrived yesterday and the uh, the poor lady staggered up the steps with the parcel saying wow this is a heavy book and i opened it and it really it's twice the size this updated version of the art of seo mastering search engine optimization has 992 pages and I think I'm a sort of closet geek because I can't wait. I just cannot wait to get into it. I can't wait to start going through it and really getting to grips with SEO and and picking up on the knowledge that I already have. I would, you know, I've, I've got smattering, a smattering of knowledge about SEO that I learned from the first book. And that's what taught me all about long tail keywords and why it's important not to keyword stuff and some other great nuggets of information and also about link building. But of course, a lot has changed since 2010 and Google have made so many different updates since then. So so this new version uh, covers, well, I, I don't know what else, what, what the extra 450 odd pages uh, are covering, but uh, I shall soon find out. No doubt I will share it with you. It's uh yeah, it was the same price actually. The one, the, the original version was Canadian, uh, well, US forty four ninety nine, and the new version is five dollars more. So, I think that's very good value for an additional five hundred pages. So, in there somewhere, it it talks about um, Google Analytics and analytics packages, and and that's useful because that's what I'm talking about. Today, well, in fact, I'm talking about that as part of five habits every vacation rental owner should develop. And I say this, you know, it's a bit like the it's a bit like the doctor who's overweight and who smokes. You know, they dispense wonderful advice and recommendations and don't do it themselves. Or the contractor who lives in a in a falling down house but builds the most amazing mansions. I tend to be a little bit like that. I don't, in some ways, I do not practice what I preach, but I'm making 
a huge effort to actually deliver to my vacation rental business all the all the advice that I dispense to other people and and all the things I learned from the wonderful guests we've had on the podcast. So it's one of my goals after the Vacation Rental Success Summit is over after this upcoming weekend to to really start applying what I learn to my own business because I know it has it has been sadly neglected. It's done very, very well, but I think it could do a darn sight better if I use some of these techniques in my own business because I'm seeing other people really, not, not necessarily just using my advice, but using some of the things that, that I've been talking about, my guests have talked about, and the things that I've been learning from, from great marketers like Mike, Matt Landau, you know, anybody who's following Matt or who's in his inner circle and is applying his wisdom is making you know, huge inroads into becoming more independent. I know that people who follow Alan Egan and have done his WordPress course have now got the most wonderful websites and are doing really, really well with them. So, yeah, that's it. That's my, I'm make, making a uh, spring revolution, spring resolution. I think the spring revolution was something Russian, but this, a spring resolution to start applying all these wonderful things to my own business. So when I started thinking the other day about, okay, what do I need to do to make my business better? I came up with five separate areas that I have not been paying attention to. So since I, if I'm, if I'm doing it, then everybody's got to do it. So I have created these five habits every vacation rental owner should develop. And, you know, I'll be accountable. I'll be accountable to anybody. If uh, after we've done this podcast and you're going to apply these five habits or you're already doing it, but maybe missing one or two, make me accountable. Come back and ask me, am I doing this stuff? And so I'll tell you what the first, what the five habits are first. So if you've or if you're already doing all these things you you know i i don't want you needlessly listening um if if it's something you're already doing so i'll tell you what all these five habits are and then i'm just going to give a little bit more detail on each of them so the first one is as i said using analytics using google analytics i say google analytics because we have used some other analytics programs before and they just have not been that impactful. It gives you um, a, a little bit of an overview, but Google Analytics, which is free, gives so much information, gives so many insights into how your website is is being seen and whether what you're doing is actually having any impact on anybody. So that's the first one. The second one is updating content on your website regularly. Uh, something that um, I have not been doing on my old agency website. Now we're going to a new one. It's um, it's something that I plan on really working on. The third one, write new blog content consistently and regularly. Yeah, I have not been doing this for Cottage Link Rental Management. and uh, And that is something that is definitely going to change. So we're going to be talking about how to do that. The fourth one is collecting email addresses. 
And here I am going to give a you know, huge confession here that we have not been effective at using our email list. I mean, we collect email addresses, but we don't use them. We don't segment them we, so, so that we can, we can target different demographics in different ways. And so that's something I'm really excited about getting going on uh, in the next few months. And then finally, uh, communicating frequently with guests. And we're just going to talk about that in, in small detail, just um, you know, as, it, as it lands up as number five on these habits. It's something we do, but we don't do it as well as we could do. So I'm going to give some ideas um, on that as well. So if you're still with me, let's kick off with analytics. I mean, if you're using Google Analytics, then you will probably are hooked on checking out how many visits and visitors you have to your web pages and where they go and your bounce rate and where people come from. Um, because these are these this is all the fantastic information that analytics gives you. It provides insight um, into keywords, into the words which are the big drivers to your site. Um, it provides social insights, identifying the traffic coming to your site and what the traffic does on your site. It tells you if somebody's arriving on your site and then popping out again within five seconds. That should be telling you something. Um, it will help you understand which of your social channels are the top performers with your target audience. Could tell you that you're wasting your time on some of the channels if, if those channels aren't driving people back to your website. And overall, analytics, using analytics equips you with the right data to make more informed decisions about what you do in so many ways. So here's a few things that Google Analytics actually tells you. First of all, it tells you how many visits, how many people actually come to your website and the pages they look at. So you want your website to have a healthy balance of, of new visitors, because obviously you want new visitors, versus returning visitors. And it will give you that percentage um, of of new to returning visitors. So having a new visitor percentage between 50 to 75% is pretty healthy because it shows that new people are finding your site. But what about, let's say you've got 90%, 90% of your site visitors are new. Shouldn't that be fantastic? Well, in fact, no, it means that having 90% of new visitors means that people aren't returning to your site. They're, they're, they may be coming by once, but they're not coming back again. So on the other hand, if you've got 90% of your site visitors who are returning and only 10% new, it means that new people aren't finding you very easily. So you're going to have to look at new ways of getting your message out. So looking at your visitor statistics is is more than just looking and going, oh, wow, we've had this many people to the site. You need to look a little bit deeper into it, just see 
where these visitors are coming from and just look at the ratio between new to returning visitors because that really tells you a lot about the site itself. So the next one you're going to look at is, um, is page view and pages. Now, a couple of things that this tells you, it tells you the average page views that your total number of visitors saw of your site. So if they just come in, they see the home page and then go out again, there's there's an issue. People either they're not finding it interestingly interesting enough, or your navigation isn't good enough to get them hanging around long enough to find more pages. Because this um, the, the page view analytics will show how deep they're diving into your site. It will show what pages that people are looking at, what pages are the most popular. It will show you what page they're on when they go out of the site, which is, you can look at that one in a number of ways. If um, we, we found with our agency that people were leaving once they got to our rental application and they were leaving without filling in the application. So that had us looking in much more depth at what we were asking for and how we were wording it. One of the things, very interesting, uh, and it goes into my psychological background, I guess, because I said, look, you know, they go through this rental application and then right at the end there's a button that says submit. And if you think about it, the majority of women who fill in these application, are, are women who fill in these application forms because, you know, we, we know that it's usually the, a higher percentage of women who book properties. There is There are a couple of studies out there that look at um, the, the buttons that are on forms and the ones that say submit get less action, traction, than the buttons that say click here to complete. I'll leave you to figure that one out and decide whether, you know, I mean, this, this is statistically proven that this is an issue with a button that says submit. So we removed that button and it now says click here. And lo and behold, we actually had a reduction in the people bouncing out of the site on the rental application page. It, it, it also could have been that we were asking um, some intrusive questions. People felt our questions were intrusive. Now, the majority of agencies in Ontario, and this is something that's province-wide, I don't think it happens too much in the States, but they uh, most of the agencies still ask for... Um, insurance, home insurance details. We decided that we would do a test and see what would happen if we removed the request for home insurance details. And we got a much higher response rate. People weren't, where we removed the request for home insurance details, people were not bouncing out of that page. So with this information, knowing what, uh, what, what page they're on when they leave, if that page comes up over and over again as being a, a departure page, if you like, you can have a look at that page and just analyze it. See, what is it 
about that page that's that's perhaps putting people off? What is it about it that's turning them off? Also in that area, you can see what the visit duration is, the average time spent on your site by your total number of visitors. So a three-second average is not good. Our site actually gets somewhere between five and eight-minute average, which is amazing. Uh, we do have a lot of pages. We have a lot of properties. So when you've got 200 properties and people who are coming on idly, going from property to property, um, you, you will, you know, you'll see that higher average time. So that, um, that visit duration is, is quite a nice analytic to, to check, you know, just, you want people to be on your site for as long as possible and not bouncing out after a couple of seconds and a couple of pages. Cause what they're finding is that, that the information you have on the site is of no interest to them. So it could be that they've they've come on your site because they they were looking for something that uh, that you, maybe you have some content in there maybe they're looking for I'm throwing out this example they want some information on a stand up paddleboard and they've gone to my site and they've seen that um, that I have a an article on stand up paddleboarding and when they get to the site they realise it's a vacation rental site and. It's not what they want. I mean, we all do it. We're always in and out and in and out of web pages. So, you know, don't worry about it too much if that if if that visit duration, if you're actually looking at, um, if you're not looking at the average, but you're looking at what's happening during the day and you're seeing people jumping out after a very short space of time, don't worry about that too much. It is the average that really makes the difference. It really, that, that's the one to be looking at. So the next one to look at is, and I've, I've mentioned this briefly, is the bounce rate. Your bounce rate percentage increases when a visitor leaves your site after viewing only a single page. And the industry average is about 50%. But when you start getting into 70%, you know, 70, this what, what, I'm, what I'm talking about here is that 70% or, or more, 70% and higher of your visitors are bouncing after coming to the first page, there may be an issue you need to address. So it's the bounce rate is a really good indicator that you need to take some action on your landing page, whatever. And usually your landing page is your home page. So the next one that's of, of great interest because it's something that's been introduced more so in the last couple of years. I, I never remembered um, sort of an acquisition overview in Google Analytics. But now you can get the data about traffic sources. So it tells you where your traffic's coming from. And it'll break down your organic traffic, your social traffic, the direct, the referral, you know, the referral coming from links on other sites and, uh, and email traffic. So people who are clicking through to your site from an email you've sent. So you can see from that, let's say your bounce rate could be higher for people coming in from social sites than it is organic. It might mean that your social posts aren't relevant to the content you're posting. Um, so if your organic bounce rate is higher, it could mean you're ranking for keywords that are not relevant to your landing page. So people are, are coming in... Um, from an organic Google search 
to your site and you've got keywords on that page that aren't really relevant to what they're looking for. So there is also a section on organic the acquisition keywords um, organically, which shows the keywords that are driving traffic to your site. So in that channel, you can see the bounce rates, pages per visit, and other metrics that are broken down for keywords. So once again, if you're having issues here, this can help you determine areas of your site that need to be corrected. Now, I've, I'm putting a link on the show notes to a moz.com um, page and it's a, it's, a, it's a really good guide. It's called the Absolute Beginner's Guide to Google Analytics. So head over to moz.com um, via that link on the show notes and that will give you the complete guide to setting up your Google Analytics program. Whoa, that was, that was a quick uh, cook's tour of Google Analytics. But you know what it does every time I, I do this, every time I look at some of these things and I look into my into the Google Analytics uh, data I get so excited because you can make minor changes and actually very quickly see the results so get into the habit I mean this it's it's a habit it should not be an obsession and, and I think I mean I know I can get obsessed occasionally with with Google Analytics it's a bit like you know, if you're trying to lose weight, so you weigh yourself every five minutes. You know, every time you go to the washroom, you stand on the scales just to see if you've lost yet another three ounces. And it's the same with um, with any analytics program. You know, you've got an idle two minutes, then you'll click over to it and just see how many visit, how many people are on the site now. Check it out maybe once a day, and then schedule a time during the week where you actually take an hour or more to look through the analytics for the previous week and to make a plan for the changes that you're, changes you're going to make to correct any issues that you found. Okay, my second habit is update content regularly. You know, I've been talking to people recently like David Angotti from SmokyMountains.com, Conrad O'Connell from 91Digital, these guys know what they are talking about. And this, this whole idea of updating content regularly uh, comes across from, from everyone I speak to who is, who is knowledgeable about how websites perform. So the habit is to post fresh content all the time. Don't create your website and leave it for months. You may remember I talked to Nancy McAleer or about Pinterest a couple of weeks ago, explored her fabulous website for some time um, before we chatted. And then she was saying that she tweaks her website day in, day out. There's always something she's changing. Now, the thing is, what happens is when you do that, when you update your website with articles, with, with downloads, with new web pages, the more frequently you do that, the more frequently a search engine will stop by to visit your website. So it's simple. Fresh content equals frequent indexing. You will get a rise in rankings by updating your content regularly. So what is a frequently updated site? Well, it's a site that's updated once a day. 
or at least two to three times a week. Now that could be, you know, you're going into the site and you're adding an image. Um, you're perhaps going into an, an article and updating it. Just making a little change, adding something. It doesn't have to be huge. It doesn't have to be a page that you spend hours creating. It just needs to be a small update. The easiest and most effective way, of course, to stay fresh is to add a blog on your site and then you continue to add articles that's going to get noticed by your viewers. And the other thing is, is that comments on your blog post are seen by the search engines as updates. So write something that will get the attention to begin helping without frequent updates. And one tip here is when you're writing a blog post, Finish it off with a question. Ask for the engagement. That's what blog posts are about. It should be about engagement. Everybody wants to know about keywords and, and how important they are when you're updating content. Google doesn't base a ton of weight on how many keywords your website has anymore. It's, it's more looking for top quality content rather than the old, do you remember that, the old keyword stuffed rubbishy content? Uh, when it indexes a site. If you use a plugin such as Yoast, and I'll put a link to Yoast on um, on the show notes, that has um, a really good uh, analysis of every single page on your website. So once you've got Yoast installed, you can go to your WordPress dashboard. You can go to your page, scroll right the way down, and you'll see the Yoast analysis, which tells you how readable, it gives, it gives your, your page a readability index. It will tell you if you need to use the keyword or if you have too many keywords in there. And it will, obviously, it's going to ask you what keywords you're focusing on within the, uh, the page. And then it will help you address the, um, the meta description. Meta description being the small bit of text that you see in Google if you're, if you're doing a Google search and you see the, um, the site name at the top, then underneath is a small description. That's called the meta description and you have control over what you put there. You can use, you can use keywords very elegantly by, by breaking them out into, into different articles and different pages. And I'm just going to give you an example here. Um, there's a lot of searching online at the moment for paddle boarding and I'm an avid paddle boarder. The one thing that people ask an awful lot is how to stand up on a paddle board. So I thought, well, this is great. I'm, gonna, I'm going to write an article and have a page on paddle boarding. And on that, I'm going to have um, how to stand up on a paddle board. And then when we were at the Cottage Life show a couple of weeks ago, our booth was next door to, the, um, to, to Paddle Canada or Paddle Ontario booth and we had this long discussion about paddling safely but safety and I looked that up as well and there's a lot of searches for paddleboard safety so I thought well, that yeah that's another page I could write so I can have I could have a section on my website about paddleboarding and then have several articles so how to stand up on a paddleboard paddleboard safety yoga on a stand-up paddleboard that's, uh, that, that's something that's really popular at the moment. And then even have paddleboard reviews and, and get some people in the industry to tell me about some paddleboards and, and put some reviews on there as well. So 
I'm using all those keyword phrases, but not just on one page or in one article. I'm going to spread them out and do four separate articles. So that's four pieces of additional content just on this one main keyword paddleboarding or paddleboard, but um, just giving a little bit of variety in the content. So you can do that for anything, but just write content that answers a question or explains how to do something for, for the reader or provides the quality information that they want. You can find this out by, by putting, your, putting a keyword into Google and then scroll all the way down to the bottom of any page. It'll tell you the other searches people are making. Those are the questions people are asking and those are the questions that you can answer with your content. So number three is, is still on the topic of content, but we're now, I'm just now moving on to writing blog content. So just to make it clear, your static content is your pages that may be updated, but are in general considered timeless. So it's, we call it evergreen content. It will sit there for several years, perhaps, without needing to be updated. They're not social. Those pages are not social, meaning that you don't get comments on them. And the difference is that your blog posts, so now blog posts are different from pages. So your blog posts are timely. They can be produced to answer an immediate question and then garner that social engagement. So let's go back to my paddleboarding example. So I've got my articles on how to stand up on a paddleboard, the safety, the yoga, um, and I might um, paddleboard reviews, which to, to some degree is probably not timeless. So maybe I take out that uh, paddleboard reviews and make that a post. Um, I because I you know I recently bought an inflatable paddle uh, paddleboard, and the 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 make of those um, you know the the quality of those is just amazingly different now than it was two years ago. So so that's more of a timely thing. That's something. So you have to think about what would you put in a timeless page, and what would you put in a timely post. Remembering, of course, that your pages are always there. They're in your navigation. It's easier for people to find them. Whereas your posts, the moment you put a new blog post up, your previous one drops down and it keeps dropping down for every new content you post. So you could be losing those. So that's the difference, posts and pages. So make sure you write your new blog content consistently and regularly. Just once a week is fine. And if you can manage twice a week, that's amazing. Um, but the, uh, the the once a week would be just as good. But what you could do to help you out here is to create an editorial calendar. Um, this this structures your content creation and makes it so much easier to plan what goes where and when you're going to write this. And I use my editorial calendar to to plan my regular site reviews as well and page updating. And then I use it to um, to plan out the blog posts I'm going to do, the podcasts. So everything that I do on a regular basis is planned out in an editorial calendar. And I've and I've put a link 
in the show notes to, to a very simple editorial calendar you might want to take a look at. But So rather than just sort of getting up in the morning and thinking, oh, gosh, I'll, I'm going to write a post on inflatable paddle boards today, you'd perhaps plan that out in advance. And maybe even if you, if you get, have a mind to it, you know, you sit down and write two or three posts at a time and then you schedule them out over the next couple of weeks. It's a, a posting binge or writing binge. I'm not that good at that, but um, some people do it that way. So the next habit uh, that every vacation rental owner should develop is to collect email addresses. Because once you start looking at your analytics and see how many people are coming to your site, you suddenly realize that if you're not giving those people the opportunity to give you their information, to give you their email address, you're going to be losing them. They're going to head off elsewhere. And they're probably they're very likely to go to another site that is collecting their email address. And you may have lost the potential of that business because somebody else has taken it. So building a permission-based email list is as easy as including a sign-up box on your site. You don't have to have the pop-ups. You don't have to have a giveaway. You could just, you could just put a little sign-up box on your site. It's, very, it's, it's less likely. It's less likely that anybody is going to sign up for anything unless you've got something of value to give them. Um, and what I'm talking about is what we call a lead magnet, which is usually the sort of easily digestible download, like a single page that tells them the five essentials you need to bring on your Bahamas vacation or the five best restaurants in, in our area. Something like that, something that's a single page that, that they may be able to download print out, just add to their vacation rental planning folder or whatever they have. But what you've, what they've done is give you their email address and given you permission to send them additional material, to give them permission to send you and send them a newsletter. Now, most countries have very strict laws governing spam, and it's very important that you get their permission to send material to them. Um, so just getting their email address and sending them a, uh, allowing them to download your lead magnet is not, does not give you permission to send them anything else. You actually have to ask them to uh, click on, usually you ask them to click on another link which um, puts their name on your mailing list. So you have to be upfront. Tell them that your name is actually that their name is actually going on a mailing list, and that you do plan on sending them more material. And you know, most people who download something of value are very happy to have their name on your mailing list. They may may unsubscribe at some time in the future if if they don't find value from anything that you send them in the future. But uh, but that's that's fine. People come, people go, and. Numbers on a mailing list is nowhere near as important as the quality of people that you have and the engagement that you have with those people because you will find people are become very, very loyal to you. You can also have an opt-in 
page on your website so that you could put a signature block on your emails that says, you know, sign up here for more information or download our packing list. And they click on that and it will take them directly to the opt-in form on your website. If you're coming to the Vacation Rental Success Summit uh, this upcoming weekend, um, then you are going to uh, find out a ton more information about things like lead pages um, that help you create those opt-in and landing pages. Um, if you're not coming to the summit or if you are listening to this after the summit is over, um, head on over to cottageblogger.com and take a look at the set or at the videos that we have created from the Vacation Rental Success Summit um, because um, you'll find everything on there too. And if you're listening on the day of publication, those videos are going to be out around about three weeks after the uh, conference is over. Okay, well, you know, collecting email addresses is not just putting a sign-up box on your page or having a landing page. You've got to have somewhere to put the list, have somewhere for that list to reside. And we've mentioned this before, my top uh, four favorite Email management systems are MailChimp, Aweber, Constant Contact, and Infusionsoft. So I've put the links in there too, in the show notes as well. So number five is communicate frequently. And I said at the beginning I was going to be brief on this one. Um, but basically, is having done all this, you know, having set up a newsletter, created this wonderful content, don't leave your guests high and dry. If they've given you your email, their email address, it means they want more information. So give it to them. You, you can do that with regular newsletters that keep people updated about things happening in your area. And then what we call broadcast emails, which are sort of one-offs that, that might remind them to book for an upcoming event. Let's say there's somebody performing in your area. You just heard that tickets have gone on sale. So you could broadcast to the, your list of people who are going to be staying at your property at that time, over the time that this performance is on, and uh, and give them the information. And that's how, you know, it's just one way of using an email list. Um, it also, if you communicate frequently with them, you want to give them the opportunity to share your communications with their friends too. So if you're delivering a fantastic newsletter that has information uh, about the area, it has information on places to go and things to do, give them the opportunity to share that out with their friends and perhaps post it on their social media platforms too. It's something that, uh, that you know, the communi frequent communication is something that people forget about. They get these email addresses and then they've got this list and that's it. The list just sits and doesn't do anything. Well, a list has to be active. It has to work for you. I mean, you work to get the email addresses. Make that list work for you. Well, I'm beginning to lose my voice. Can you hear it? It's just beginning to fail me. So since I am heading to Toronto in three days' time, and I'm going to be delivering a keynote presentation at the Vacation Rental Success Summit, and then I'm doing two workshops... I think I better go off and give it a rest. 
because quite honestly, you might you might hear me every week and think that all I ever do is talk, but actually I'm not that great a talker. Uh, I really love to listen more than talk. So I, I guess my voice doesn't get as much exercise as, as, um, as, yeah, it just doesn't get much exercise. So I hope that those five habits every vacation rental owner should develop um, has given you some motivation to go out and, and at least do one of them. Um, I mean, for me, I am going to get, now I've got my, my mighty tome, the art of SEO. I'm going to get back into, uh, get, get back into search engine optimization, really, really learn it. I'm going to, I'm going to give myself a chapter a day to learn. And, uh, and then I'm going to actually put it into practice. And because we've got a new website coming up, that makes it a lot easier because I can put it into practice right from the very outset. So for those of you who are listening and listening on publication day um, and are coming to the Vacation Rental Success Summit, I will see you at the weekend. Absolutely can't wait. I'm so excited. It looks like it's going to be cool, but very sunny. So hopefully we'll be able to get a little bit of patio time. Uh, we're certainly going to have a lot of networking time and a ton of learning time. So, so for those of you who I'm going to be seeing at the weekend, um, yeah, be prepared for two really action and information packed days. It's going to be a ton of fun. And as I said, we do have a professional video team throughout the weekend that is going to be filming all the workshops, all the presentations, and those videos are going to be available about three weeks afterwards. So uh, so keep your eyes out for those. If you're on my mailing list at cottageblogger.com, you will be hearing about them the moment they're released. And, uh, and we're going to be having a pre, um, sort of a pre-release list we will be offering a much lower price for um for anybody signing up to get the videos if you sign up while the conference is on um so uh, we'll be sending you out information on that too so thank you once again i'm glad you stayed with me to the end um i always love getting your feedback and i and i do hear from some of you that you do stay right through to the ends of these these podcasts so kudos to you and uh, as I say, I love to hear from you anytime. Heather at cottageblogger.com. Please send me emails. Let me know what you're enjoying. My, ne my next guest is Conrad O'Connell again from 91 Digital. He's going to be talking about paid advertising. And that is part two of the two-part um, interview that, uh, that we set up a while ago. The first, um, first episode was on SEO and um, Conrad promised he would come back a second time around to talk about paid advertising. So that is coming up. So thank you once again for listening. You are a wonderful audience and I'll look forward to being with you again next week. This episode of Vacation Rental Success is over, but don't worry, Heather will be back soon. Want more great resources? Visit cottageblogger.com for tips, tricks, downloads, and strategies to help you achieve profit from your vacation rental business.